You're listening to the Up In Your Business Podcast, episode 027. On this show, we talk about millennial leadership, the dual nature of mentoring, and getting your eyes off of yourself. I think the epiphany for me was that you can't just wait for someone to manifest and be a mentor to you. You have to seek it. Welcome to the Up In Your Business Podcast. Building you to do business better. This show is about intention, transparency, and insights from business professionals sharing their personal business. Discover what they've learned the hard way so you don't have to. Empowering a new breed of self aware leadership. Here's your host, Angus Nelson. Hello, hello. Welcome to the Up In Your Business podcast. I'm your host, Angus Nelson. I'm just ecstatic that you're here. If this is your very first time, welcome aboard. Today, we are going to be talking about uh, some of the elements that, for me personally, have been very uh, instrumental in me becoming the person that I am. So I'm really excited to talk about this topic. How it came about is via Facebook, and this happened with Ann Handley in um, episode, I believe it was uh, 023, and we saw a post on her wall, and that's exactly what happened here with David, is uh, he posted something about mentoring and what a privilege it was. And I thought, that's a great topic. David, would you come on the show and talk about it? And that's how this all came about. So we're going to get to that here in just a moment. But before we do, I want to read uh, a quick post from the iTunes wall on rate and reviews. This is coming from Brittany Felix. She posted, uh, professional and fun. I love Angus's energy. He takes a topic that can be boring if presenting in the wrong and typical way and instead makes it fun and engaging to listen while still learning. Definitely recommend. Thank you so much, Brittany, uh, for posting that. If you have yet to post a review on iTunes, I really implore or ask or beg of you to go and do that right now uh, because the more people post on there, the more the iTunes algorithm gods will make this available to others. I'd really appreciate it mean the world to me if you got on there and post a review. So thank you for that. Um, let's move on to the show today. Uh, David Armano is the global strategy director for Edelman Agency in uh, Chicago, and I'm really grateful for his uh, transparency and generosity and being part of this. I think you're really going to enjoy it. So let's jump into that interview right now. Hi, David. Thanks so much for joining us. What's the best cigar you've enjoyed recently? Um, you know, I'm, I, I, I'm a simple man when it comes to that, and I try not to indulge too much, but um, I just I like the Mancanudos. I get like the the gold, uh, the thicker gauge cigars. They're not mm -hmm. super expensive. They're like under twenty bucks, and I enjoy them. They're mild. I'm not really fancy in that area. Oh, I think that's lovely because I'll I'll, I'll easily just go to the um, their gold. They have the Park Avenue. That's what it is. Mm. No, it's Park Avenue by Gurkha. That's what it is. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I will say this. I don't remember. I don't remember the the brand, but I was in Belize uh, over the break, and I did uh, enjoy a Cuban, and it was good. 
Nice. In fact, speaking mm. of Cuban, I think I sent a picture or tagged you on a picture that I had in Aruba. Mm. And you got me a very nice box of cigars. That was nice. that was a great gesture that I will not forget. And thanks of our partnership between um, crowd companies and, and Edelman at South by Southwest. So thank you. That was very nice of you. Sure. My pleasure. I, th- I thought I'd get you some good ones for that one. Oh, cool. So for those of you who are listening that don't know David, uh, David Armano is a global strategy director at Edelman, and his marketing genius has worked with brands like HP, Kellogg's, eBay, Adidas, Hilton, and many more. And in addition, he's contributed articles to Harvard Business Review, Bloomberg, Ad Age, and all of the usual suspects. Uh, is there anything you want to add to uh, that list, David? I mean, not really. I mean, these days I keep really busy on sort of, you know, the company work. It's a, it's a fast-moving um, space. We just broke news yesterday that we entered a, both an investment and a strategic partnership with Dynamic Signal, and I helped bring that to the table and architect that partnership. Um, yeah, so between things like that and um, ongoing client work and helping evolve, we're now a 5,500-person company, you know, which in the agency space is really large. Yeah. Um, it, it's, you know, my challenge these days is really just sort of keeping up that pace of work at Edelman and, you know, trying to have a, um, a sane uh, personal life at the same time. Right. I think that's the more critical component there. Um, and in addition, um, that partnership you were just talking about that you just announced um, is about employee advocacy. And I think yeah. that that's kind of interesting, maybe a little bit of metaphor of, of where we want to take this conversation today mm-hmm. in the context of um, being able to show value for those who actually work with you and empowering them to have a voice to your brand, to be able to share from their perspective and be the experts on your brand. There's this other element of it is that when you do that, you have to instill a little bit of trust, right? Uh, knowing that your employees want to do what's best for the company, and that can always be a little sketch coming from the top. And yet, you wrote something on your Facebook page that talked about mentoring. And I want to kind of set this up in the context that I think when we really b- develop that concept of trust within our companies, it comes with great intention. And you wrote this on your Facebook page. You said, I've made it a priority to mentor some extremely talented and frankly, great human beings. You know who you are. I've been reminded several times this past year just how much it means to me to have this privilege. I know this sounds cheesy and cliche, but it's true, especially given the quality of this handful of individuals. Being a mentor is one of the most meaningful and rewarding parts of a job that often goes well past the job itself. So thank you. So I want to set that tone. For you, you grew up out east, right? I did, yeah. I grew up um, about 35 miles. Well, I initially started in um, Brooklyn and Queens and then moved out to, as, as many do sort of in, in my age group, uh, our families sort of did an eastern migration or migration away from the city um, on Long Island. And so when I was about seven or eight, most of my growing up was about 35 miles outside of Manhattan uh, on Long Island. Yeah. I have family out there, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, so when you were growing up out on Long Island, like who was it that kind of influenced your life? Who were the people that kind of mentored you? Oh, man. <sighs> you know, I don't know if I had mentors. I remember... 
oh, this is this is really weird. But and and I don't know how how inspirational this is, but. I definitely had had some um, some role models, and I didn't know how good of role models they were. Right. But I I had um, I I had a high work ethic that I learned from my parents, who um, are both from Italy, and they have a you know they had that sort of immigrant uh, work ethic mentality, and so I had um, always had early jobs, and I when when I was fifteen, I had an after school job at like this um, it was like a a little mom and pop, literally a mom and pop store that sold fresh fruit and there was this guy um his name was ronnie and he rode a motorcycle <laughs> and i don't know he was just that's where like, it started right i don't know maybe <laughs> and, and, and it was funny because i had this um and he was a little bit of a tough guy but um so again like i would not consider this a mentor but it was interesting because I had gotten this little moped that looked like a mini motorcycle. It was a pook. I don't know if you remember those from like way back in the days, or I don't know if they're pronounced pooch or pook. Right. And um, the owners of the store used to give me a hard time that I was like, like kind of the mini version of him. I, I, I don't, you know, in terms of just sort of like um, growing up in Long Island, you had this sort of uh, Long Island definitely has its 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 um, people they call their own like uh, Billy Joel and. You know, I like a lot of his music, you know, more the classic stuff than the newer stuff. And you had Seinfeld, yeah. um, who went to Queens College, I think. So there were like people like that who had kind of roots in that area that I think, you know, you, you kind of identify with. But I can't really identify at that age really a mentor. Mm-hmm. I think mentorship really came later in my life. Well, let's pack, Let's unpack that. Um, I, that word unpack, I'm supposed to not use it, but I'm going <laughs> to use it anyway. Um where where did you have somebody step in and disrupt David Armano and give you guidance? You know, I, I don't know if I had really one moment, and I think I may have um, sought those moments, and I think that was the epiphany that I had. I think I remember, and I don't know how many years it was ago, I remember like almost having a sense of envy when people talked about them selves either being mentored um you know having a mentor and i thought man i don't know if i have one so i actually started making a conscious effort i actually realized that i had sought some guidance from some people um there was a real senior person when i was at critical mass uh, which is a digital agency um who i who i i really actually realized after the fact that he he you know I think appreciated me um, and understood my talents in a way and gave me some opportunity. He brought me in there and it was years later that I reached out to him. And now every, you know, um, like every other month or so we go out and we grab a burger at this local um, bar and we just talk shop and we just connect. And um, that was a deliberate act. Um, There is a real senior guy at Edelman who I also sort of, um, he's no longer with the company, but I also, you know, would kind of go to him for guidance, you know, it's just, um, he was very confident and I thought very smart and, um, you know, a little bit, a little bit of a cowboy, but really I thought, um, um, had a great business sense and I sought him and I'm, you know, making efforts with him to, to stay in touch. And so I've had a couple of these where I think the epiphany for me was that, you can't just wait for someone to manifest and be a mentor to you. You have to seek it. Yeah. Um, 
and mentorship doesn't have to be this formal thing. It really, it's, it's actually very organic and very informal. And, you know, you don't have to have reg regularly scheduled meetings. It really is about just um, staying connected. And I think the one common theme, and this, this also inspired me to actually go out and seek people to mentor as well. So it really works both ways. I think the one common theme is that um, you don't just limit it to professionally talk about some of the personal things that are going on in your life as well. And I think that's where you see um, true kind of mentorship type of relationships um, take root. Yeah, I, I love that you said all of that. There is an article that came out in Inc.com saying that why mentoring is the best thing you can do. And in particular, it was focused on millennials. Yeah. So in the office, you know, one of the things that millennials are looking for is, is something more organic. They want something that's authentic, but at the same time to feel valuable. Uh, that is totally true. So it's, it's really interesting. I didn't read that, but I can tell you I, to some extent or to a good extent, live it. So I have, an, I have a pretty non-traditional role at Edelman, and I don't, I don't have like a, a, a super huge, you know, like hierarchy underneath me, and I have to lead by influence, um, and, and and navigate a lot of things around that. And what I realized was that leading by influence, actually, while not easy to do, can can be pretty powerful. Um, and what and one of the things that goes with that, to your point, is I. I Millennials, I don't think, really are incentivized by that formalized hierarchy. Yes, they'll have bosses and they'll have, um, you know, their annual reviews and everything else, but they really are hungry for mentorship. They're hungry yeah. for guidance. They're hungry to learn. They, um, the ones that especially are relationship driven, those are the ones that I seek out, where they're not just climbing up the ladder, you know, but they're wanting to learn and move up and forge some relationships. Um, they really crave that, and so. I found that you know, with a hand with a handful of people that I've worked with, who you know, it might have started out where they were hungry to learn from me, but I also, I think the thing that I kind of saw in them was that there, there, it wasn't just that, right? It wasn't just them wanting to get ahead, and then I would proactively just sort of you know, um, carve out some time and talk about some things that might have been going in their lives or you know, going on in their lives, and 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 really kind of um, offer some guidance because, you know, I would see the potential in them and see that, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm Gen X, right? So mm -hmm. I still have some great careers years left, but it's the millennials who are in their prime and have a future ahead of them. So it's really rewarding. And what you get as a mentor in return is, and this is going to sound cliche, but it's true. You know, you get to take the focus off yourself, which is really, really healthy. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm a, I'm a pretty type A personality and, you know, I'm competitive and if something doesn't go my way, you know, I'll kind of, I'll kind of stew on it a bit, just like anyone else. And what I found is that being generous with my time and thinking of others and thinking about their well being takes, it takes the, the focus off myself. And that's just, that's a really healthy um, and good thing. And I feel like that's a win-win. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the other aspects of kind of the science behind it is retention too, because when you show that kind of value, you know, it's twofold. One is you're increasing that new person to stick around longer because they feel valued, but you're also equipping them 
whether that be emotionally or or understanding or or wisdom or what have you, to be even more prepared for their work. And Deloitte did um, uh, a study on it, and they said that millennials would stay with an organization uh, for more than five years. Um, they are twice as likely to have a mentor uh, mm. at sixty eight percent than not, which is only thirty two percent. Yeah, and I think that works both that way and it works the other way as well. So what um, the post that you read at the beginning of this, what inspired that was, um, I'm not going to throw names out there, but uh, a colleague who actually, a woman that I had hired, I brought her into Edelman and she um, had really had been with the company for six years and I always looked out for her. Um, she was just just really an amazing community manager, helped us um, really develop the, the discipline that I sort of helped productize and uh, um, I just, you know, I think I, I, I appreciated just the, the craft that she brought to work and I thought she was fun to work with and kind of quirky and, and um, just, you know, a really good person. So I invested in her and she called me up um, to tell me that she was going to be moving on and she made it a point to make sure that I was the first person that got that call. And I knew, like I knew that she had spent six years at Edelman. So mm -hmm. she's millennial and that's a lot, you know, that's a great tour of duty. And, um, I knew where she was going and, and had relationships at the place where she was going. And I'm sure enough, you know, I had a chat with someone at the company she was going with and I'm like, ah, and I knew she'd be going there eventually. Right. Right. And, um, the person at this company made it a point of saying, you know, she, she considers you, this person considers you a, a mentor, you know, and really speaks highly of you. And it just hit me, um, just how, how much of a privilege that is, right. Yeah. And, and how important it is not just for retention. So in this case, I think there's a retention component cause she spent a good chunk of time for, you know, with us and maybe she'll come back. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, uh, but also too, when people do move on, uh, you know, the relationship doesn't have to end. Right. right? And as a matter of fact, it shouldn't end. I mean, I kind of put up a list of people that I feel like I've mentored, you know, over the years and half of them have moved on to other companies and I still, you know, make it a point to stay in touch with them. I was out in LA not long ago and someone who left Edelman, I grabbed lunch with her and we caught up and, you know, again, we just sort of caught up on each other's personal lives and work lives. And, and I think that is probably the most difficult but rewarding part of mentorship is making sure that you carve out that time um, because it's really hard to do, but when you mm -hmm. do it and you sit down and you catch up with that person, it's always worth it. Yeah, absolutely. Because you, you know, you made a decision to invest in that person and vice versa, right? When someone is a mentee, I don't know if that, that's the official word, but <laughs> right. so when, when you're mentoring someone, they're making an investment in you as well. Yeah. It really is two way. Yeah. And, and, you know, and I love what you said earlier, you know, about it being organic, that it doesn't have to be formalized. One of the things I read um, about um, mentoring that I completely felt gravitated to because I know it was true in my life is the most powerful thing about mentoring is nothing more than telling stories and mm -hmm. sharing, you know, what you went through and how you dealt with it. Because I, I believe that the power of story gives us the liberty or the freedom to find our story in yours. And so it's not necessarily a directive of saying, well, first you got to do point A, then point B, and it becomes this formulaic whatever. That's never effective. But when you tell your story of challenge or failure or even the victories, 
like I can learn from that. I can glean from that. I can put myself in that story with you. Mm -hmm. And that becomes super empowering and inspiring. Yeah, I, I definitely, I think that, um, you know, some of the best guidance that I've received, um, has been done like that. There was a, um, a period in time where I wasn't successful at something, you know, and I was, I was really, um, I was digesting that, you know, I was digesting and like, what could I, and I, and I had some successes, but as a whole, you know, it wasn't successful and it was really interesting. You know, I, I did reach out to a couple of key people and one of the people that I reached out to really had nothing like no connection to the business group that I was in. And I just reached out to him because I felt he had a certain kind of, um, you know, I'd done business with him. We'd hung out, you know, we'd spent some good quality time together. I felt a good connection with this person. And I just felt like he had a good wealth of, you know, sort of wisdom and, and was a, for lack of a better word, was just a, you know, a quality person. Mm -hmm. Again, like what I included in my Facebook post. And I sought, I sought his guidance, you know, and he gave me his time and he told me about his experiences and he shared when he wasn't successful in something and how he, um, you know, the steps that he took to really, um, come back from that. And, you know, I'll, I'll remember that. And the way that he did it was exactly what you were saying. It was very much in a, you know, sharing and telling a story way versus a, you have to do steps A, B, and C type of thing. Mm -hmm. um, and it wasn't over the top vulnerable, right? You know, I mean, I, I've heard that come up in the last podcast. Um, it, it was, it was just very real and mm. very, um, um, honest. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, on that same level, you know, that vulnerability part for some, especially leaders like that really can feel unsafe, especially in corporate walls where you don't want to, you know, share too much, right? Because you have to put on this front and you, you, you know, you're, you need to have the right safe environments to have those kind of commu those communications. So, you know, we can talk about the millennials or the new hires or whatever on the, on one end of the spectrum. The other end of the spectrum is like the C-suites. Like who do they mm -hmm. go to for mentorship? Who are those people seeking that can be safe? Cause they're not, obviously not going to share with like, I remember reading in um, Harvard business review. There was an article last year that stated something along the lines of like chief executives, you know, they don't want to be able to share with internal people. Like they're not yeah. going to go to the chairman or, you know, right. member of the board. Like, even though those people may be super experienced, you don't want to show your weaknesses and your strengths. So you can't, yeah. you know, whatever. Right. Um, so like, do you know anybody that's in leadership, like the kind of people or caliber of people that they seek? There, I think there's actually an industry built on this, and <clears throat> unfortunately, I can't throw like um, um, names of you right, like right. to mind in terms of like what the specific retreats are. But I feel there's a whole industry. I, like I'm not worried about those guys. They there is a ton of like you know uh, events, and I mean you know Davos is a good example of like mm. there are places in the world to go at ver with very beautiful settings where um, people in the C-suite um, find their peers. And, you know, they have cocktails and coffees and lunches and dinners. Um, and I think, I think that, I think that's probably how they do it. 
Um, I would also imagine that you have very, very senior people who are on boards and maybe they're not serving executives, um, but, uh, you know, like the, the Jack Welches of the world who all, who probably give their time to executives and, mm. you know, whether it's an organized way or not. Mm. So I'm, you know, I'm not super close to that, to the, to the CEO, um, sphere, but, but I think it does happen and it just happens in, in, in different ways. Yeah. I, I just searched up the article while you were talking here. It's, um, April, 2015, it was called, um, uh, CEOs need mentors too. And it was Martine Verluten, um, learned from mentors that she was, uh, the group finance director for Umicore SA. Mm-hmm. And she found, she said that most effective, when I was trying to show my strengths and weaknesses, as opposed to trying to put up a front, that was that that quote. And then Roger Carr from BAE systems, um, he stressed the importance of being able to talk to someone in confidence who is not a stakeholder or a paymaster. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And it's super wise. I mean, that whole vulnerability thing is a common theme. I, I've been, um, I think with a lot of the people that I form relationships with, I think that they appreciate my candor and they in turn open up. And I think there's moments I, you know, like there's triggers for me, I think in addition to really sort of seeking out people that I feel like have a lot of potential or just good human beings. And plus they're, they're talented. Um, I think triggers that I've had in the past to really invest my time. There was this one woman who, came back from mat leave and man, she was just like, we had a great partnership. We had, we had done some amazing work together and I really enjoy working with people like her that are just super motivated and entrepreneurial and, 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 you know, just you give them direction and they run and they don't, they don't know how to do something. They figure it out. And she came back from mat leave and, and it was, it was a tough reentry for her. Mm. Um, she was struggling, you know, and I, I just never let go of the fact that I knew she was the same person and I knew that she had that talent, but she was just in a different phase in life. And it it bothered me that she was struggling. So that's kind of how, you know, we picked up in the relationship and it went a little bit deeper. You know, we just spent time together and I I remember just sitting down with her having a drink and she'd cry and she, you know, would just express her frustrations and we'd have good conversations and she ended up leaving and she's got, you know, uh, she's working for a fortune, uh, 500 company and she's doing really, really well. And I'm not surprised by that because mm. I, I knew that's the person who she, who she was. And there's a level of personal satisfaction that, that, you know, you get from that, right. And seeing the potential in others and believing in them, um, when others don't. Yeah. And I think that's a theme that came up. <laughs> in your mm-hmm. podcast, so, right. <laughs> By the way, there's some background noise. There's nothing I could do. I could do about it. It's a it's a diesel train. <laughs> you're, you're the so tracks. Up on, you nice. know, just, we'll well, just get the, the grit of Chicago is just coming through this podcast. Oh, I was going to say, like people who have listened to the show probably don't realize, like every so often you'll hear like a because I'm like right in a flight path to the airport, and so sometimes I have planes coming over my head. But I've got a new mic coming in, thanks to Heil Sound. Um, they uh, gifted me with a brand new PR40. I haven't installed it yet. I'm waiting for more parts and pieces, but that one hopefully should give me a little bit better uh, sound, uh, whatever you call it, where the cone is much smaller of sound that it pulls in. Mm-hmm. Um, so let's kind of wrap up on 
if you were to sit down with somebody here who is neither the mentor or the mentee, um, if we haven't sold it already, how would you summarize getting them involved in some form or fashion? Um, so I think a good starting point is without overanalyzing it is thinking about, you know, what are your reasons for wanting to either, um, receive mentorship or be a mentor? I think, you know, exam, just spend a little time, yeah. right? Because I think, um, I don't know if there's a right or wrong way to do it, but I do think that um, going into mentorship with a bit of a sort of, you know, a giving spirit, a little bit of a selfless spirit, I think ultimately, you know, what what got me to want to do it was I was questioning if I had ever been mentored. And instead of being passive about it, I thought, you know what, there's nothing I ha I actually have had enough experiences to realize that people really valued my time. And so there was nothing stopping for me from giving my time, but also I could be more proactive in seeking it out. Mm. Um, and I think my, I, I can just go back to my point as reference. I think my reason for seeking it out was I wanted to become a better person and I wanted to learn from people who had more experience from me. And then my rationale for, wanting to give up my time was I wanted to um, just not always have my attention be focused on myself. You know, I wanted to to really um, help others because I knew that, I think I intrinsically knew that people do seek that. And I thought, you know, that that's something that I can get, that that's a way for me to give back. Mm -hmm. So I think understanding your motivations is a good starting point. Mm -hmm. And then the next step is you don't have to ask for perm permission. You know, there are probably at lots of companies as formal mentorship programs. And that's fine. If you want to get involved, that's fine. But you, you do not need to have um, structure, you know, and it's really interesting when you start to sort of mentor someone, um, the same person that I mentioned, who came back from Matt leave. I remember like on our third or fourth conversation, she was sharing with me that, you know, what she was thinking about doing about her next step. And she's like, so I think this is kind of like a mentor thing, right? Like, you know, right, right. <laughs> and it wasn't until like the fourth conversation that even she brought it up. That's how organic it was. We just started, you know, when we could, we got some time and my schedule is, I do a lot of traveling, so it's not a very predictable schedule. So it really doesn't have to be super structured. Yeah. And I, you know, here's something too, that I think kind of gets missed is that most of us don't realize that we're mentoring all the time or mentee all the time. Like just the association of the people around us, people are watching and people that, are learning. So that is so true. So on that Facebook post, it was really interesting. There were some people that raised their hands in terms of like identifying themselves as someone who they feel that I have mentored. And, and I was like, oh, I didn't know that. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> right. Uh, that's really, really true. And that's I think that's where the privilege comes in and then there's responsibility and you know I think on that note you have to give yourself permission to be human right because um you know that people may look up to you so I think you need to be mindful for how you act but also too you have to like give yourself permission to be human right because if you get if you don't want to fall in that trap of oh people are looking to you as a senior person and so therefore you need to be perfect because that then goes back to well I'm going to put a mask on yeah and yep. I'm not you know and and I think that's when you start to enter that cycle of you're really going counter to what mentorship is which is really 
um, allowing yourself to be human, sharing from personal experience, not just professional. Um, so that's a that's an interesting one that like you know mentorship and being a mentor, even when you don't know it, or being someone who others look up to, sometimes can create a trap. Yeah. Um, and if you buy into only identifying, you know, only like um, creating your identity by how you're perceived, you, you will start to not act like a human being. Yeah. You get all up in your head too. And you just, you can't be yourself. You can't be authentic. And gosh, yeah. that is so true. And because we all starve for authenticity, like we can see past the BS, but when we see someone, even when they make mistakes, like we're watching to see how are they going to get up from this or how are they going to correct this? And even that's part of the learning process. And that creates more esteem, I think, in people's eyes. Like for me, when I see people go through stuff, it endears me to them. Um, mm -hmm. And so I think that humanity is really powerful. David, I want to thank you so much for coming to share. And I would love to just unpack. <laughs> there is that word. You can't, you can't say unpack. <laughs> <laughs> Jeremiah is going to hear this and he's going to be like, hey, yes, you use that word. All right. So this is the, the quote that I kind of want to end on in light of what we were just saying. It was by Winston Churchill who said, we make a living by what we get. We make a life by what we give. Yeah. Well, that's really, I think that says it all. And I think, I think if you're going to, again, either be proactive and seek mentorship or give it, I think that quote is really meaningful because I think you're making a conscious decision to, you know, to sow some seeds that are more kind of life oriented, right? Mm -hmm. Because when I look at a lot of these relationships, they're not going to get me the next job, really. Right. Um, and that's certainly not my motivation. I mean, it's not never confuse mentoring with networking. Absolutely. You know, I think that is like my parting advice. I think if you if you are like really um, um, if your motivation is really networking, um, that's self-serving. And I think that goes against the spirit of, of, of what mentoring is. Now, sometimes, right, sometimes you can have the unintended benefit of like, you know, because you developed a relationship um, and you find yourself in need and that ends up serving you. But if you go into it with that being the reason why, I, I, I just question it. And I, and I think um, network and, networking and mentorship are not the same thing. Yeah. Just, yeah. Like, just like friendship and networking are not the same thing. They're different animals. That's a great point. Great point. David, if people want to get a hold of you, where can they go to find you? <laughs> um, I, honestly, if you know, you want, I think Twitter is the best way to start. Email's hard for me. I get so much work email. That's keeping up my Gmail is is, is not my priority. So, if you want to get my attention, um, I'm at Armano on Twitter, um, and I'm pretty responsive. I, Twitter these days, if someone's talking to me on Twitter, it's like rare. It's like, oh, hello. <laughs> still on a voice from the crickets <laughs> <laughs> seriously i mean it's um i i actually like talking to people on Twitter. albums like oh this is like 2008 you know all yeah. over again if yeah. someone starts talking to me on twitter so um i would say that's the best way to start and you could always take it from there awesome um, awesome well thanks david really appreciate your candor and your wisdom thanks for being with us today i appreciate the opportunity to talk with you angus thank you very much it was a lot of fun 
I'm really grateful for David being with us today. The topic, I believe, is not just relevant to all of us just in terms of understanding mentoring itself, as much as I think it's also pointing towards the future of work. And that's something that I kind of hinted towards in the intro of this interview Um, that I wanted to share with you kind of where I'm headed. I just launched a speaking page um, that talks about some of the topics that I'm addressing, and um, I'll be doing some other products around some of these same issues. This in particular is um, this whole element or mindset of managing millennials, It seems that many times people misunderstand millennials and they kind of get a bad rap. Now, admittedly, some of it is completely self-inflicted. There is definitely some shortfallings in that area. If you happen to have seen that open uh, letter that the young lady uh, wrote to her CEO, uh, we know that that is a major faux pas. However, there are some... um, some elements that we can do as managers um, or leaders within that generation to understand the fact that most of them are much smarter than we are. And that may can't come as a bit of a shocking truth, but what I'm talking about is that some of them have, have been around the whole digital landscape much longer than we have. And therefore, it becomes more ingrained or more natural. It's a effortless Uh, mindset for them to understand where all of this digital, native digital uh, mindset is taking us. And and for you and I, who are a little bit uh, more mature, if you will, um, some of it's a struggle and we have to continue self-learning. However, the contribution that management of millennials that I believe is so important is around mentoring. And not necessarily mentoring from the element of uh, formulaic or formal Uh, as much as it is around um, being relational. And that's, that's an element that many leaders in this day and age are not just connecting with. And that's why I started all of this in the first place. I'm trying to create a community of self aware leadership. And let me break that down a little bit. Part of what it means to be self aware is obviously knowing some of your own shortcomings and also knowing your strengths. But beyond that, there's an element of this thing called emotional IQ and having a, an EQ as some call it, where you know yourself to such a degree that you can also observe how you interact or interplay with the people around you becomes a primary aspect for you being successful and effective in how you uh, make relationships happen. In the past, we used to just, you know, do this, do that, and expected people just to jump and act and behave, and that doesn't work anymore. You have to get to a place where you can effectively connect with people and get them uh, to buy in, to have ownership, to have connection with the company or task at hand. And if you're ineffective at that, you'll never be effective in leadership in the next coming years. And so I'm working towards building some products to equip you to be just that kind of a manager. 
Um, so I'll have more to share about that as the days come forward. Uh, as we wrap up today, I just want to say thank you so much for taking the time to listen. If you want to see uh, my speaking page, you can go to angusnelson.com forward slash speaking, and you can learn more about that. Uh, if you have any questions, comments, or concerns about this podcast or anything we're discussing, please feel free to reach out to me. You can email me at hello at angusnelson.com. I'd love to hear from you. And with that, we're going to call this a wrap. If this has been your first time listening to the show, thank you so much for coming. I hope to see you again. And this has been Angus Nelson setting you free to be your most effective self. May you live intentionally, love extravagantly, and lead with self-awareness. Be amazing. Thanks for listening to the Up In Your Business podcast with Angus Nelson. Find more at upinyourbusiness.co. Remember, that's .co, not com. <laughs>